0: Welcome everyone to uh, episode number 32, our 32nd meetup of the Data on Kubernetes community. Um, My name is Bart Farrell, always a pleasure to be here. I think we can get some of our links on the screen if you're not following us already on Slack, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, we are there. Today we actually had a, a conversation with somebody from SoundCloud and we're thinking about creating a SoundCloud account as well too. Um, not just for podcasts, but also we're generating lots of original music that you may have seen from different musicians, some rap videos. We have a rap video coming up today about Tomás as well, um, so that'll be exciting. It is not the first time that we've had Tomás on our program. We had the pleasure of having him on last year in November when we had our State of State meetup um, with two folks from Hachikor and Lily from uh, Red Hat. Um, so Tomás, just to jump right in, can you just give us a little bit of information about your background? Um, everyone can check out his uh, webpage, Kladowski dot uh, um, where lots of great lots of great information. As we were kind of talking about before, about how maybe folks can get into blogging. I'd like to hear about how you got into blogging, but also what do you do in your in your day job, if you want to call it that.
1: Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I, um, hi, I, I'm Thomas, or Thomas, if you prefer. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in technology in general, but uh, my background is, is purely kind of operations or kind of DevOps. But I'm very interested. I was very interested uh, in um, uh, in automation, and that's why uh, you know, uh, from cloud to Kubernetes to containers, uh, I started you know to to, um, um, to read about it, but also to, uh, I started to using it very intensively. And uh, I've been using uh, Kubernetes. I've been uh, teaching Kubernetes because I provide uh, courses on Kubernetes uh, for, for over five years. And uh, wow. uh, well, I think that's, that's the technology that uh, that actually changed something. That actually it's a real game changer. And um, I work at the uh, uh, which is uh, a very nice, uh, Maybe not a startup because it's a scale-up, uh, and we provide a platform for, for testing uh, uh, for testing candidates that that wants to prove their skills um, and get a nice job. Uh, but I also do some consulting. I, I try to help companies, uh, you know, to uh, to use a proper technology to uh, to get you know to get things moving and to. Innovate, that's most important, to, to get the speed that we really, really need.
0: Okay, and just because you said, you know, this many years working on Kubernetes, you know, we always have the joke sometimes, people say, oh, they're working with for 10 years, like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't Ten know what time, oh, yeah, time machine one time machine you got in. Um, but, you know, for you, and obviously for our community as well, it's because, you know, we kind of, I guess we're sort of niche instead of a, a, a bigger, you know, sort of sub-segment, we could say, talking about data is that, You know, you've seen the evolution over these years, and um, you know one of the conversations that we have quite frequently. We also touched on this last year in November with you. Is that you know one of the big questions is Kubernetes even ready for data? I'm convincingly, uh, increasingly convinced. You know, we're on meetup number 32. We've got two meetups planned for every every week in March. We've got two meetups planned for every week in April. We're starting to do stuff in more languages. I will have to talk to you about doing a meetup in Polish because that would be very exciting. Um, give me a good reason to learn some Polish just to say hi, my name is Bart and my Polish is terrible. Um okay. but I'm just saying thinking about all this, the evolution changes that you've seen. Um, are you surprised about you know the conversations we're having now? Does it seem like a natural progression of how things are going? Where do you think we're at?
1: Uh actually, uh we're at the moment where um I guess. Most companies have have already been using uh, Kubernetes. Like many of them, I've seen uh, I've seen uh, survey results from uh, that were published by CockroachDB, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it looks like like over at least uh, the the at, at least according to the survey, like 70% of, of companies that, uh, were using um kubernetes in production so i guess we are at this moment where kubernetes is everywhere at least uh, you know when you start a new project uh, or and you want to find some good developers almost every developer knows kubernetes or at least good developers uh, know know how to use kubernetes uh, the same applies to devops guys uh, they also uh, want to use containers and so on so uh we are at this moment where it's maybe something that many people refer to uh, day two, or maybe actually we are progressing towards day three, when you know everything. We have many clusters. You know, it's to set up a cluster uh, can be challenging, or, but in some cases it's very easy. For example, when using cloud. But how to make this, you know, this environment. Um, scalable and not in terms of uh, scaling your pods or or your nodes, but how to make it uh, easy to use for larger groups of people in larger enterprises and so on. So uh, how to make those processes easily, uh, you know, easy to use and uh, and to be honest, this is something that that we are at, at this moment. So we need to figure out how to make this work as smoothly as possible. Very, right, very good. And I
0: think that's it. And that's one of the conversations, you know, uh, last week talking with um, Jim Bobadia from uh, Caverno is that, you know, this whole thing of like, can we try to make Kubernetes a little bit more boring? You know, like, are we getting into a, yeah. into, into, a, into a phase where things can get a little bit more established? And that's a lot of stuff that we talk about in our communities. Like, how can we make this, you know, step-by-step process, whether you're a beginner, whether you're a DBA, whether you're a DevOps, whether you're, you're trying to become an SRE, um, how can these things become a little bit more codified and simplified, um, so that you know it doesn't involve, let's say, so much trial and error, and that things can be a little bit more set up. All right. That being said, you prepared a wonderful presentation that today is not going to fit.
1: We don't our... know. We don't know yet. <laughs> no, don't no, know no, no, no. Well, okay. What well, you
0: prepared a different presentation, I should say. Different. Yeah. Different. So we, okay. We, so you, we'll, we'll start with different. Know. We'll stay on the same side. We'll say different. Everyone else can be the judge. But it's curious because you know very frequently we have technical demos, we've got slide decks, we've got things like that. Um, you decided to opt for a sort of different format. So tell us about that and then just feel free to start sharing your screen and jump right
1: in. Okay, so, uh, well, you, you you discovered the mystery that I want to, you know, <laughs> discovered myself. But yeah, it, 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 it will be a different, uh, a different presentation. It's not going to be a demo session, uh, but I do have some slides. Uh, maybe even yeah you you'll see uh, but i've prepared a story uh so a, a story about uh, a, a specific company so let me share share it to you, with you guys uh okay oh, where is it i guess desktop one would be
0: I know it's hilarious. We're always talking about these crazy technologies, but then Zoom seems to be the most difficult one to master. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, So, good. Uh, can you see my screen? Perfectly. Everything works? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so, so uh, thanks, so once again, I, I'm Thomas. And uh, so I, I'm here to talk about uh, an interesting topic uh, about how to choose uh, a Kubernetes distribution for on-prem environment. Why on-prem environments? Well, to be honest, um, using Kubernetes uh, in the cloud is uh, can be easy in terms of you know it's so ubiquitous uh, it can be you know launched very quickly but what about on-prem and uh, why on-prem uh, well I believe that uh, well it, it's offer hard to implement uh, Kubernetes on on-prem environments and but at the same time um, it's it's uh, one of the things that you need to uh, you need to have on on-prem these days because it brings so much features that weren't available before Kubernetes. Even with uh, p- uh, with private clouds uh, like OpenStack and so on, uh, it 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 just it, it just uh, something completely different and and uh, totally uh, is better. Uh, but uh, uh, it, let's just uh, jump in and. Uh, I've prepared a story. Uh, so I've prepared a story about a company called Acme. So uh, Acme is a is a is a medium-sized company. Um, so we know little about this company, but what we know is that they can produce almost everything, and they can sell you sell it to you online because they develop a lot of software, a lot of e-commerce software. They also have some customers. Uh, who use the the data centers because they have three data centers uh, located in some undisclosed locations. Uh, Like I mentioned, we we do little about this company Uh, and they have over uh, 1000 employees working remotely like we all do uh, during the pandemic. So uh, what do we know uh, about this Acme company? Uh, they do have pretty awesome uh, IT management team, and like, uh, uh, and all decisions uh, related to the IT uh, environment must go through or must be decided by this uh, by this team. So this team uh, comprises of uh, Mark, who is uh, who is CTO. Uh, we have also uh, Adam. Adam is uh, is a IT security guy. Uh, we have also Alice Alice uh, is responsible for for, for development and uh, bob uh, Bob uh, he's from operations so he's like traditional uh, you know unique type of guy and uh, I will talk about more uh, about each of those uh, of those guys so uh, Mark, uh, as you can see, this is a picture uh, of him and, and, uh, and uh, another co-founder of Acme, because uh, Mark and Steve uh, co-founded Acme in the early 90s. Uh, so Mark uh, was, uh, uh, is a former COBOL programmer. Uh, he's not coding uh, anymore, but uh, he's, been, uh, he's been a CTO uh, for over 20 years now. Uh, he knows little about cloud uh, and almost nothing about about containers uh, so uh, that's why he relies on on his on his team um, he uh, recently lost the password to his bitcoin wallet and uh, he lost a great deal of money some say that uh, it just dog uh, ate his password because he wrote it down on the post-it note uh, placed somewhere on on his desk but he won't admit it and he he gets very angry when someone asks about it so uh, that's it about mark Uh, let's meet adam adam uh, is a very secretive guy uh, so he takes care of Acme's it security uh, he's a, like I mentioned. He's very secretive. He speaks little about himself. Fortunately, we have a photo of him because uh, that's one of the requirements of HR department. So he had to provide this awesome uh, photo. Um, he has, you know, this uh, Nokia uh, 6310, uh, uh, and he despised all the modern gadgets like iPhone, Apple watches, uh, and all all this sort of uh, hardware. Uh, because he believes that uh, they are used by foreign intelligence agencies to uh, steal your data. Uh, of course, uh, everything he does uh, on the web, uh, he uses uh, his web browser uh, using command line, so he doesn't trust uh, any kind of Firefox, Chrome, and so on. So that's that's uh, uh, that's Adam. Uh, Adam's goals. Well. Uh, he uh, wants to uh, help Alice, but uh, at the same time he doesn't want to Alice uh, to run something that can be easily exploited. Uh, he knows that containers can be uh, can bring um, awesome features, but at the same time uh, can bring a lot of problems to companies such as Acme. Uh, he wants to help Bob to build a secure platform uh, that's that's his job of course. Um, and especially, he wants to stay compliant with uh, many regulations and standards that Acme uh, is uh, promised to to his to their customers. Uh, to uh, and they need to be uh, compliant with multiple uh, multiple standards and regulations. Uh, he, of course, he wants to increase the uh, the amount the amount of information that uh, they uh, he he and his team uh get from you know from from the platform so that's why he believes that kubernetes uh, could bring uh you know uh, something more than the systems or, or platform that they are using at the moment and uh let's go uh, uh let's move on to uh alice alice uh well uh, she manages uh seven teams of software developers and uh, those are uh software developers uh Responsible for providing software, uh, and the software is written in, in different languages, starting from modern ones so like GoLang, I like Node.js, and so on. But there are, all, of course, uh, Java, uh, even PHP. Uh, fortunately, there is no Cobol, so uh, so uh, Mark uh, is not able to you know to help uh, Alice. <laughs> To produce any any, any software, uh, she's a technology enthusiast. Of course, uh, she has the newest MacBook uh, M1, of course, with you know with this uh, with this new uh, new uh, CPU. Uh, she knows w- what cloud is. Uh, she knows containers, and uh, she use she already uh, use uh, you know cloud for uh, for uh, the testing environments, and her teams also use. Um, containers for you know on, on the uh, local uh, environments on the laptops. Uh, Alice' goals, the first and most important goal for Alice is to get more speed because speed is all she matter is all what matters to her. So uh, she wants to uh, not only uh, create software a lot faster, she wants to, be able to test it faster. She wants to be able to uh, to have more uh, testing environments, and she wants to um, deploy uh, the software to production, which is currently not that easy and not possible since they cannot use production uh, in the cloud. They they need to provide they need to run uh, their software uh, on on prem uh, environments. So uh, she also. Uh, she also wants to leverage those things uh, that she uh, discovered, or she heard so so um, so many uh, during you know many conferences that she that she has attended. Uh, she dreams about using service mesh because she believes that would be a game changer for her and her team, and many other things. Uh, that's that that's what uh, Alice wants. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, now it's time to meet Bob. Uh, Bob. He's a traditional operations guy. Uh, He has uh, also his teams responsible for infrastructure, for for providing reliable environments for for the software and our customers. Uh, He uses Docker uh, almost all the time on on his uh, desktop. Um, He designed, he and his team designed uh, and implemented private cloud. Uh, But for different reasons, it is not that widely popular among developers and among customers some say it's just too complex and uh, and it's it, it, although uh, he is very proud of it it's just underutilized uh, he used to compile his linux kernels uh, for for uh, for his center servers fortunately he doesn't do this any longer he's one of few people who still Uses Gentoo Linux. I'm not sure if uh, if someone heard of this uh, exotic uh, Linux distribution, but Ma- but Bob is one of those people. Uh, he's very proud of, of what they've done in, in ACME. Uh, he's very proud of the data centers they have uh, built and have maintained for for the last 15 years. And uh, what he wants is he wants to utilize better the, the hardware that they own that they bought and uh, he wants to spend less time on processing tickets from Alice because Alice is constantly sending requests to, to Bob's team to get more environments, to change something, to, to change some configuration, to, to scale something. And uh, although Bob likes Alice very much, he just he prefers to spend time uh, you know, on something else and then just, you know processing those tickets. So he believes that Kubernetes, especially with operators, uh, he has read so much about, uh, he he believes that it will change, uh, it will change the way uh, they work in in Acme, in Acme. Uh, He also, he's a very ambitious guy, you know, and he also wants to show Mark that he's capable uh, of providing, you know, very efficient uh, environment. And that's why he agrees to you know, to 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 test to experiment with with, uh, with Kubernetes. Okay, let's move. Uh, okay, that's it. So that was Bob, uh, and uh, let's talk about uh, the mission itself. So uh, the the mission uh, of Acme Acme uh, management team is to choose a Kubernetes distribution. So um, they, like I mentioned, they believe that they have a, a lot of hardware and it's uh, underutilized. And, and Alice still complains about, uh, you know, about the current uh, current uh, environment. Adam is, is not sure whether this environment is secure. And uh, and Bob, well, he agrees that it's time to uh, go with Kubernetes. So uh, their mission is to choose this uh, Kubernetes distribution. But before we we, we proceed with with uh, with, uh, uh, with choices that we have. Let's talk about some challenges that we have. So when implementing an on-prem solution and an on-prem Kubernetes solution, there are a few uh, challenges that, that we may, fa- that we may uh, face. First one is networking uh, part. Uh, when we have Kubernetes in the cloud, uh, Providing a load balancing, a load balancer actually is very easy. You just issue a request. You just create a manifest uh, with a service um, of type of a uh, load balancer, and and magically this load balancer appears. On on-prem environment, it's not that easy. You just need to have a, you just need to have some piece of software that will configure this load balancer. And without load balancer, it's just hard to use. Uh, kubernetes um and, and uh, the same applies to uh, to storage uh, so in in the cloud uh, getting a storage is a trivial thing you just issue a request and after a few seconds you have uh, a requested size of of, of a volume uh, with whether it's a cheaper or cheaper slower version or you know faster and more expensive so uh on on-prem environments, it's not that easy. So, and you should be aware that it will require building either a dedicated storage cluster, maybe, or use some some other solution that would provide you know this dynamic storage. And when it comes to installation and maintenance, and this is the reason why Acme Acme, uh, is uh, is working on on this project, uh, because installation uh, in the cloud, you just uh, issue your uh, request and after a few minutes, you have your cluster ready to use. But uh, when it comes to on-prem Kubernetes, the installation part can be quite challenging and hard. And when it comes to maintenance, like upgrades, this is also very, very uh, interesting topic. Uh, also, uh, well, companies uh, choosing on-prem Kubernetes uh, platform or building such platform are concerned about security. And uh, that's why they, they choose to build an on-prem Kubernetes to increase security, or maybe they want to make sure that their, their data uh, won't leave uh, the, the servers, or they have more control o- over the data. So this is also quite challenging. But uh, of course, there are some opportunities uh, w- uh, related to on-prem Kubernetes. First of all, of course, Kubernetes brings a lot of features like increased reliability. Uh, that is uh, very easy to achieve uh, when compared to um, virtual machines or, or solutions such as uh, VMware. So by using containers, you can increase re- uh, a higher reliability much easier. Uh, these days in, in 2021, oh, well, most of guys uh, know what Kubernetes is, know uh, Kubernetes uh, API, and uh, they of, often they just can't wait to use Kubernetes on their environments because they probably have been using it for quite some time, and uh, that's why you know you know when when providing a Kubernetes uh, on your on-prem environments, it just uh, uh, it, it will be very fast uh, before you know uh, you can uh, at least uh, deploy your first software on stage environment, for example. So it shortens this path. Uh, and of course, we have so many software available uh, as containers, as Helm charts and operators. So this is something that uh, that you can leverage. And of course, and this is of co- uh, the, the reason why Acme uh, has decided to, to move to, uh, to to go on with Kubernetes. It's, it's uh, at some scale, it is just cheaper. So if you have a lot of hardware, uh, you can build um, a very big environment uh, comprised of of many clusters and in terms of cost it, it can be a lot a lot cheaper uh, to build such environment than to use it for example at such scale uh, in the cloud and uh, for me personally i think that uh, kubernetes is the best choice when you be when you want to build a kind of your own cloud but but cloud based not on private cloud solutions, such as maybe some VMware or OpenStack, but cloud based on uh, Kubernetes API. This, is a sell, uh, this can be a self-service platform. Uh, so you need to expose only Kubernetes API and be prepared to maintain it. So that's it when it comes to opportunities. Let's meet our contestants. Uh, So uh, I've prepared uh, four contestants uh, that we will talk about during this presentation. So uh, I will talk about OpenShift, I will talk about OKD, I will talk about Rancher and VMware Tanzu. Um, So uh, let's move on uh, and let's start with OpenShift. Uh, I'm not sure if if you know OpenShift. OpenShift is a, first of all, it's a product, it's a flagship product of Red Hat currently IBM but they still own Red Hat brand so uh, and uh, especially with version 4 uh, that is uh, the recent version uh, it's you know it's one of the best if not the best kubernetes distribution some people say that uh, some people don't believe and some people don't even know that openshift is a Kubernetes distribution. It, it may be called an, an enterprise Kubernetes distribution because you need to pay for subscription, uh, for OpenShift subscription, but it's still, it's just Kubernetes with some add-ons, but those add-ons can be pretty useful and can be pretty awesome. So let's uh, let's see what uh, our team uh, thinks about uh, OpenShift. So from Ali's perspective, uh, So from development perspective, uh, OpenShift brings a lot of interesting features for for her teams. Uh, First of all, uh, it it can bring uh, an object, an API object, uh, a build config object, which uh, can provide a very easy way to produce, to create container images. And uh, build config with with solutions such as image streams uh, or yeah, image streams and build config uh, they help to create container images without actually writing any Docker files at all, without maintaining those Docker files, without creating some base images and so on. Uh, you just uh, point to your Git repository and then magically a container image appears with your compiled artifact uh, of your uh, of your application and the container image is ready to be deployed. Of course, uh, OpenShift, um, promotes uh, uh, built-in uh, uh, the built-in CI/CD solution, which previously was based on Jenkins. You can still run Jenkins on OpenShift four, uh, but they promote something on uh, an open-source project uh, called uh, Tecton. Uh, my personal opinion is that Tekton is not as powerful uh, when it comes to features, um, and probably it will be a long time. Uh, uh, when it reaches the level of, of Jenkins. Uh, I still believe that Jenkins is very powerful, but Tecton is a cloud native, is a container native, I would say, approach to CI-CD, and it's integrated with OpenShift. And Alice uh, really likes the idea of, of having an integrated CI-CD solution in in, in the platform. Uh, he also uh, thinks that this uh, web console, I will show some uh, screenshots later, is very uh, user-friendly and very nice to use, especially for, for less experienced uh, experienced users. And uh, the one thing that she likes is, of course, she will get her service mesh, which is a part of uh, OpenShift, and uh, she was really excited. She almost burst into Tears. Uh, one thing that that was surprising for her is that um, she couldn't run her favorite uh, Docker images that are available on Docker Hub, and uh, that was that was an un- unpleasant surprise. But uh, I will talk about it later on uh, why 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 uh, it, it's not possible and why it's so uh, surprising for, for many new users of OpenSheet. Uh, so uh, let, let's have a look at uh, some uh, screenshots of, of OpenShift web console, and as you can see, this is uh, very very nice looking. Uh, but it's not only about uh, about uh, the look of it, about uh, you know look and feel, uh, but it's uh, it's more about the user usab- the usability. Uh, for me personally, I think that you can uh, use uh, web console OpenShift web console to perform like around 70% of actions without actually touching any command line without installing anything on your laptop. So this is pretty useful. Of course, there are some actions that would require you to, to install such, such tools, but uh, it is very, uh, very nice. And it, it has a dedicated developer view. So, uh, so dedicated for developers for all uh, team. Now let's uh, let's see what Bob has to say about OpenShift. Well, he likes uh, the fact that OpenShift has the central logging and monitoring with alerting. Uh, so, OpenShift uh, has all those features uh, embedded. Uh, you can just uh, you, all you need to do is provide some configuration. Uh, they are provided by operators, with, uh, which I will mention later. Uh, but it's an awesome uh, feature. Uh, he somewhat. Uh, he feels that OpenShift is a little bit complex and indeed it can be overwhelming for, for some people uh, because it's not pure Kubernetes that you may know like GKE or AKS or EKS. It's, uh, it has a lot of features that some may find super flaws, uh, and uh, no, uh, but it's still Kubernetes. L- l- let's face it; it's still Kubernetes, but it's just uh, it can be very complex. Um, the one thing that, that is very v- one of the killer features, at least for me, is that uh, cu- with OpenShift four, you get uh, seamless upgrades. So, we, if a new version uh, comes, uh, is, is released of OpenShift, uh, you just you you can just click uh, or you just. You can use this web console to click and initiate an upgrade. And actually, uh, when I was preparing to to this presentation, I performed uh, an upgrade from 4.6 to 4.7, and it was seamless. And it was really awesome. Uh, It was smoothless, and uh, yeah, it, it was great. And uh, what what is also uh, what Adam also likes, and I, I also uh, think that is, is very interesting, is that in OpenShift 4.7, we have Argo CD. Of course, uh, right now it's in tech preview, but it's a very nice option. And I believe that in in uh, in the future versions, uh, we can expect some more interesting features related to GitOps. And I believe GitOps is is the way. That you should uh, manage your not only applications but your whole whole environment uh, uh, based on either OpenShift or Kubernetes. Um, Op- OpenShift or actually Red Hat engineers uh, made some distance dis- for 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 you. So when it comes to for example CNI plugin, and this is something that Adam uh, is not uh, uh, is, is not happy about. Uh, because uh, if he wanted to change some some part of it, like for example, like this uh, networking plugin, uh, it, it is very hard, if not even in, uh, impossible, at least uh, it won't be uh, a supported cluster uh, uh, any longer. And uh, for, because uh, OpenShift uh, can be a little bit complex, it has some features that can be considered as a vendor lock-in a trap. And some say that they want to stay out of you know vendor tra- vendor locking traps and uh, you, you have to be very careful. Uh, so uh, uh, another screenshot. So uh, OpenShift has uh, has uh, man- many interesting options for for Bob. Uh, so it has monitoring options, uh, monitoring di- um, diagrams uh, built in. So using this single. Uh, web console you can you can have access to all the things uh, that you need from from uh, operations perspective. And on the right you, as you can see, uh, this is the interface that I used to uh, initiate to actually perform uh, an upgrade and it's just super easy to use. and we have uh, channels uh, that um, that um, that can be used to you know uh, to choose be- between uh, faster, and more risky updates or, or just to uh, wait a little bit longer before you know uh, fixes have been um, have been provided for for, for, for for those versions okay so uh, let's move on uh, and let's see what Adams has to say so uh, among many operators Adam loves uh, especially the ones related to security so he loves the uh, compliance and file security operators, which would allow him to uh, control uh, or actually to, to make um, shift clusters compliant uh, with, with the standards that they promised to to be compliant with and to have more insight into, into what's going on in the cluster. Uh, and uh, getting back to Alice's uh, concerns, Alice's problem with, with uh, Docker Hub images, And this is is actually one of the cool features about uh, OpenShift because it has this default uh, policy. Uh, This is security uh, context constraint policy which uh, forbids to run application as root. And um, this is something that Adam uh, hopes to keep as a a default setting. And Alice is uh, probably, she won't be happy about it um, but uh, yeah, of course, it is, it is possible to, to disable it. But uh, but OpenShift has a lot of features uh, enabled by default when it comes to security, and this is one of the uh, m- m- most uh, um, the bigger ones, I guess. And all of the services that are a part of OpenShift are protected uh, with uh, OAuth. Uh, and um, this is something that Adam finds really interesting from security point of view. So we need to have a, a login, and you need to have assigned permissions or, or role uh, before you access, for example, uh, monitoring console and uh, or Kibana with lo- logs console. And from security perspective, and this is, uh, this is interesting topic uh, that I personally I hear uh, um, a, a lot, uh, from from uh, security guys is that uh, people uh, passed in red hat enterprise Linux and uh, openshift is based or, or uses uh, a, a very similar operating system which is uh, red hat enterprise linux Core s so it's a core version of, of red hat uh, Linux and uh, he believes that uh, it will help acme to protect themselves from you know from being hacked and indeed, uh, Red Hat uh, um, delivers uh, uh, its security advisories and fixes and bug fixes security fixes to to, to their systems. Uh, when it comes to logging, Adam decided that he still uh, wants to uh, have a dedicated Splunk cluster for for security logs. So probably they would need to configure uh, something uh, uh, on OpenShift. Okay, that's it. Uh, let's see uh, another uh, screenshot. So this time, uh, this is a screenshot, screenshot from uh, OpenShift. Uh, it shows uh, an interesting feature called Operator Hub. Operator, Operator Hub is also a web webpage, uh, operate, operatorhub.io, when you can find a lot of operators. Uh, so those operators are provided by uh, by various companies. Uh, oh, like you can see uh, EDB, so this is a kind of PostgreSQL uh, operator, and uh, and uh, you can find very interesting uh, things uh, here, but uh, uh, there are a lot of operators provided by Red Hat, supported by Red Hat, and I expect, I suspect that uh, in the coming months, uh, you would be able to buy support for, for example, for your database operator, um, but uh, yeah. Personally, I think that operators is the one of the best features that you can have on Kubernetes, not only on OpenShift, but on Kubernetes. But I guess it's a long, long topic. Uh, Let's move on and uh, let's meet our second uh, contestant, which is OKD. Okay, it's not OpenShift Kubernetes distribution. It's a community, it's the community distribution of Kubernetes that powers Red Hat OpenShift. What does it mean? It means that it's an upstream project. Uh, I, I want to emphasize it. It's not a product. It's a project. It's an open source project uh, that is. Uh, it's. Uh, it's like upstream. It's like Fedora being upstream project for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. So. All the experiments are being done in, in, in Fedora, and then, you know, some of those features are backported uh, to to uh, enterprise product. Uh, when it comes to OpenShift, OKD is supposed to be the same uh, upstream project. Um, there was a, a little gap, uh, but right now uh, we have, you know, uh, OKD 4.7, which was released a few days uh, after uh, OpenShift uh, was released. So it's only, it's like they are are synchronized and they are almost identical. However, are they the same? No, let me emphasize that OKD is an open source project while OpenShift is a product. It's a product that uh, requires a paid subscription. And as you can see, Mark, uh, uh, when he uh, saw prices, he wasn't satisfied with, with what, what, he's, what he what uh, he saw, and that's why he mentioned uh, that maybe they could uh, try with uh, they could uh, they should consider OKD. And uh, the one thing that that is very different is that OKD is based on uh, open source uh, open source uh, container images and open source. Uh, oper- operating system uh, that is installed on uh, nodes, like in this case. Well, it, it is Fedora OS. Uh, okay, so uh, let's see what Alice has to say. Um, she's okay with that because, to be honest, uh, she doesn't see or well, she she see she sees no difference or almost no difference. Uh, um, She's okay with using CentOS images because uh, all the images uh, provided by uh, or used by OKD are based on CentOS. Uh, But, well, uh, her team already uh, uses um, Ubuntu or Debian images, so that's fine for her. So uh, when it comes to service mesh, yeah, yes, she will have uh, her service mesh. Uh, It's a little bit different than than the one uh, provided by... A Red Hat, but uh, yeah, uh, it's still there. Uh, it can be installed using operator. Uh, as you can see, Alice, well, she she didn't well, she noticed that the, the uh, a different logo, but uh, actually the the web console is almost identical, and uh, yeah. So uh, let's see what Bob has to say. Uh, Bob is worried that uh, there are no official images. Well, the, the images uh, that uh, were provided by OpenShift, they had, you know, support and uh, they had, uh, you know, bug fixes provided by Red Cat. And uh, when it comes to OKD, they are just based on Jenkins. Oh, I'm sorry, on uh, on CentOS. And uh, Bob expects that they would need to hire more people in general. Uh, Bob talked with uh, his colleagues from other companies, and they told him uh, some interesting stories related to OKD3. Um, so it seems like uh, at least in OKD3 um, things were complicated. So OKD3, the previous version, uh, was, uh, re- required a lot of work, a lot of googling, and a lot of you know troubleshooting. So he expects that it, it would be the same with OKD and uh, they would need to hire more people to his team. And um, he's okay with having you know logging and monitoring, so because they are almost identical, uh, although based on different container images, but they provide the same uh, amount, the, the, the same quality almost uh, of service. So the last part is really interesting uh, because uh, recently, I'm not sure if you heard, uh, but uh, CentOS 8 will no longer be an equivalent to Red Hat Enterprise Linux 8. And uh, and some people are afraid that OKD uh, someday will be uh, abandoned. That the project will be abandoned. And uh, just like CentOS 8 uh, was. And uh, this this is very challenging uh, perspective because uh, that means that you should be prepared for some kind of migration and it, it uh, we are we are not sure whether this will, will actually happen, but if it uh, if it will then you know uh, there will be uh, uh, less time and uh, for for organizations who who would. Uh, who would invest a lot of time in OKD, that would be a, a, a quite a challenge or even a problem. So uh, another screenshot, this time uh, on the left, you can see OpenShift, uh, OpenShift uh, Web Console, and on the right, OKD, almost no differences. Um, so we have uh, exactly the same uh, menu, uh, So uh, so yeah. That's why Bob also uh, Bob, Bob also likes uh, you know this web console and he finds it very very useful. Um, let's move on to Adam. Um, Adam he uh, he still likes those security operators because the, uh, the ones uh, the, that uh, uh, were available on OpenShift they are still available on on um, on um, OKD. He's not sure, or actually, uh, he, he's not sure whether uh, this Fedora CoreOS is something that he could trust. You know, because uh, he knows what even what Santos is, but Fedora CoreOS, uh, he's not sure, and uh, and he he doesn't think that it's it's as secure. Uh, at least it's not as secure as as Red Hat CoreOS, and uh, for sure. He's not uh, he's not satisfied w- with uh, CentOS images. Uh, he believes it's a joke, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, all, all those images that w- would based that would be based on uh, on Red Hat in OKD uh, would be based on CentOS. Uh, so he, they would need to make sure uh, that they are actually secure. They would need to build some solution to prevent. Insecure images from being uh, deployed uh, on production. And uh, right, okay. Um, so uh, the, the same goes with all the components because OKD is based on community uh, on community components. So uh, he's not sure who would provide uh, security or critical backfixes fixes when it comes to when it comes to uh, OKD. Um, he thinks that it's not the best idea to provide to provide it for for their platform. Okay, so that's that's it when it comes to OKD. And let's meet our third contestant, which is VMware Tanzu. VMware Tanzu is a is a set of products behind Tanzu brand, and it's provided by VMware. What we uh, what we know from Alice uh, about uh, her uh, her uh, impressions on uh, on Tanzu, he fi- she finds uh, Tanzu Build Service, which is a very very nice feature for developers, a very nice feature. Tanzu Build Service is based on um, build packs, uh, so it would allow Alice and Alice's uh, teams to build their containers, container images. Uh, without providing Docker files, without maintaining those Do- Docker files, so it's very similar to the solution uh, which we can find in, in OpenShift, um, because um, because uh, Pivotal products or, or services uh, are now part of Tanzu, uh, Tanzu uh, portfolio. Uh, the, the team responsible for uh, for application based on Spring. Uh, is very excited to, to get uh, Tanzu because they could use all the components that they use uh, from Pivotal. Uh, she also satisfied with a different service mesh which is called T- T- Tanzu service mesh. And uh, yeah, the, the one thing that she, she's not sure about is this uh, concourse. Uh, so concourse is, is a, uh, is a um, solution uh, recommended by VMware for uh, for CI/CD. Uh, it's not that well known as, for example, even as as, uh, as of course uh, Tecton or, or Jenkins or even CircleCI or Travis and so on. So she doesn't think that they would use use it for 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 the environment for the CI/CD solution. Okay, so that's th- that's that's the that's also one of the things that uh, Alice's uh, team like. This is Tanzu Application Catalog. Uh, Tanzu uh, was, uh, uh, t- t- well, VMware bought, uh, bought Bitnami and uh, incorporated Bitnami, uh, Bitnami um, uh, products or services into something called Tanzu Application Catalog. And uh, she also believes that uh, this is something that it, that would help uh, her team to innovate and to uh, deploy the application faster. Let's see uh, what Bob has to say about Tanzu. Um, Bob is really satisfied with uh, Tanzo Mission Control. Uh, this is a service that would allow him to create many multiple uh, clusters uh, because in OpenShift, well, it's not that Easy is still possible, but Tanzu Mission Control, on the other hand, uh, enables uh, teams to create uh, many many clusters very easily, especially if you have well. You need to have VMware, and that's why uh, Bob's uh, team, v- Bob's VMware team, is very excited about Tanzu, uh, because you, you can actually treat Tanzu as an add-on to uh, to uh, vSphere cluster. It is very easy to install and. Bob, uh, Bob's OpenStack uh, cloud, uh, well, he probably, uh, he would need to think about uh, shrinking uh, his uh, OpenStack uh, cluster, OpenStack cloud. Uh, he's not very uh, happy about it, uh, but uh, if, they, if, it, if they decided to, to, to move on with, with VMware, well, he would have to, you know, uh, he would have to uh, deal with it somehow. And when it comes to challenges, because I mentioned um, this networking part that can be very cha- challenging, uh, thanks to NSXT, uh, this can be very uh, easily solved uh, with Tanzu. Uh, so providing um, providing um, co- even complex network uh, configurations or load balancers can be easily achieved with Tanzu. Um, now let's move on to uh, to Adam. Uh, and uh, Adam uh, well he doesn't actually f- uh, found many interesting features when it comes to security. And uh, he believes that uh, he would uh, he and his team they would uh, need to implement uh, some uh, some uh, solutions on their own, like for example, Open Policy Agent, and uh, and uh, yeah he believes that uh, he's afraid that, you know, the whole security uh, will depend on Bob's uh, VMware team experience experience because Tanzu is a part of, uh, uh, you know, VMware solution. So you need to be experienced in order, you know, to configure it properly to to make it uh, as secure as possible. Um, so that, that, that's what Adam, that, that, that's Adam's perspective. Okay, and uh, our final contestant is uh, Rancher. So uh, Rancher uh, is similar uh, to, to Tanzu when it comes to, uh, because it's, it's a platform. Uh, so uh, Rancher provides uh, not only uh, a way to provision your Kubernetes cluster, uh, but, can, uh, uh, but uh, Rancher has its own Kubernetes distribution. Uh, what is interesting, and uh, that's why uh, I chose Rancher, because I believe that Rancher will, will be this uh, niche player, uh, and uh, m- maybe uh, because, uh, as you will see, it has some nice features. But I believe in the coming years, in the coming months, uh, sorry, uh, they provide a really compelling, uh, uh, compelling uh, solution. So. According to Alice, well, Rancher doesn't provide—it's not as nice an OpenShift. And when she when she tries to uh, when she tried to uh, use this built-in continuous delivery solution uh, that is available on Rancher, well, um, it didn't work. And I can confirm that because I tried to, to I tried using it two months ago. I tried using it a few days ago when preparing for this presentation. And it still doesn't work. I'm not sure why, but uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it's uh, it's something uh, considered as legacy because uh, you know it's it's. It seems like Rancher is is in the you know very fast uh, uh, development phase. I would say uh, she found uh, Istio, which is very exciting for her, uh, and she thinks her team thinks that. It's almost like pure Kubernetes that they use uh, in the cloud. It it doesn't have many additional features. Uh, She's also confused about Cluster Manager and Cluster Explorer. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, it looks like uh, guys from Rancher have been uh, working on some, you know, uh, uh, working intensively on on Rancher, because on the left, you can see something called Cluster Manager, which is Personally, I find it very nice, uh, very nice looking at least. And on the right, we have something called Cluster Explorer, which is a core, Well, for me, it's not as pleasant uh, to, to, to uh, uh, as pleasant when it comes to look and feel, but uh, it has a lot of uh, a lot more options. And it looks like this is going to be the main uh, uh, the main web, web console for for Rancher. Um, it looks like many of those features available in, in the uh, in the legacy in the legacy cluster manager will be moved to this cluster explorer, and um, and that's why I believe that uh, we will have much we will have uh, much more choices and uh, many many interesting features coming to, to to Rancher. Let's see what Bob has to say. Uh, well, he likes that uh, he likes uh, Rancher's. Uh, Kubernetes distribution, it's called Rancher Kubernetes Engine and likes uh, the fact that uh, it has optional commercial support. So they can uh, actually start using Rancher, they can start you know, preparing their applications and w- w- when they're ready, they can buy uh, commercial support from Rancher uh, and Without uh, any, you know, migration or without changing anything, so this is something uh, that Bob uh, likes. Uh, so uh, Rancher has this nice option of of uh, uh, of executing a CIs benchmark and see results. So uh, so CIs benchmark m- makes sure that uh, cluster is compliant with CIs uh, uh, CIs C- maybe uh, standard security standard. And from his perspective, it's not a pure Kubernetes because he can uh, he's able to uh, to configure those clusters. He can he's able to um, to install many many clusters and manage them from a single uh, web console. This is very very interesting option for him, and one of the favorite uh, options and really. Uh, really interesting, uh, at least uh, from my perspective, is something called uh, Web Shell. Uh, you just uh, use use it to connect to uh, your uh, Kubernetes clusters. So uh, it's available in the Cluster Explorer of uh, in, in in Rancher Web Console, and it has all the you know uh, all, all the tools available and configured. So it's even better than than OpenShift because uh, you have still you know, this web console and you have also uh, this um, command line interface with something that, that re- really surprised me with my favorite uh, Kubernetes tool, which is called K9S. So that was really interesting to see and use from this web shell. Okay, that's it. Uh, let's move on to Adam. Uh, well, uh, he's only, obviously, he's only interested in, in, in the version that has support. So he doesn't want to have you know, this open source version. Uh, he wants to have support. He really enjoys having this uh, CIS benchmark. And uh, again, like, uh, like with Tanzu, he believes that uh, they would need to uh, configure open policy agent and create rules that would protect the clusters. Um, this uh, he also finds this uh, uh, authentication options well m- many authentication options uh, to configure the, a really nice uh, thing to have. Uh, let's see how it looks like. So in Rancher you have very uh, easily uh, v- very very easy uh, um, panel to to configure your authentication. So you can use for example GitHub, Keycloak. There is an OIDC uh, uh, option as well. And uh, this is very uh, nice and easy to configure. And uh, this is uh, one of the things that Adams enjoy. OK, uh, I think that's it. And uh, so they discussed for uh, you know long hours or maybe even days. I'm not sure that they are, like I mentioned, very, very secretive. And uh, here are some final notes, uh, five final thoughts uh, that uh, Mark, uh, from Mark. Uh, so uh, he gathered feedback from from his team, and that's uh, what he uh, thinks about uh, those uh, options. So first of all, he thinks that if uh, if they had a big budget, they would definitely choose OpenShift because for on-prem f- uh, for on-prem environments, this is very compelling option with so many interesting features. Uh, including development and, and security uh, as well. Second, uh, because OpenShift is so awesome, it's, uh, it has so many features, maybe they would go with OKD as long as it, well, they don't know whether it will be abundant or not, but uh, they would still need hire more people. And this is the decision that he needs to consult, well, he needs to make with, uh, with Steve. And so uh, they would need more people, at least people uh, in, in Bob's uh, team. Third is uh, they don't know, they have some uh, VMware infrastructure, but they don't know whether they want to enlarge and whether they want to rely on VMware. If they did, if they decided to, to go with VMware, then Tanzu is probably the best choice because it's also a, an enterprise option with, with, paid, with commercial support that they would, probably, they would need and use. Uh, so uh, only if they used uh, VMware, uh, that would be uh, a pretty good, good choice. And the last part is uh, Rancher seems to be a really nice option for them. Uh, it lacks advanced features, of course, but uh, they believe and uh, so am i um i also believe that uh, in the coming months or maybe in the coming uh, year or, or so uh, it, they could probably get a, a nice uh, set of features and, it, and it's more universal uh, so they can they could also use it for uh, for creating uh, cloud kubernetes uh, clusters and so on so uh, that's it After Mark finished talking, uh, suddenly uh, someone uh, knocked on the door uh, on the door to the conference room that they 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 gathered in, and uh, it was one of the Bob's employees, and he he just couldn't wait to ask this very very interesting question. Maybe they should buy their own Kubernetes. And uh, as you can see, uh, you know, there are uh, facial expressions, uh, say it all, because uh, to be honest, building a Kubernetes distribution, it's not an easy task, but I guess uh, it's uh, just a topic for another presentation, maybe, maybe article or, or something else. Uh, that's it from me uh, for today. Thank you. If you have any questions, uh, I'm happy to answer that. Oh, wow. um, I think uh,
0: there are a lot of things that can come to mind. First of all, Thomas, congratulations! Uh, that was absolutely incredible. Was we, we've done we've done thirty two meetups, and none of them have taken that style. I think that sets a very high standard, and it's a good indicator for a lot of folks out there that contextualizing things. Particularly in the framework of a TV show that we all love very much, The Office, um, and that we all oh, you,
1: so so you know it's okay,
0: seen <laughs> one or two episodes, um, yeah, yeah. but I think, but I think that, and I think another thing that's interesting for me as well too, and and I'm curious about how you encounter this in your work, is that you know how you profile those different people, and so we we have different backgrounds, different needs, kind of like yeah. buyer personas that we frequently find. Um, yeah. and, um, and so a lot of times how you might explain something to one person, or you have to keep those things in mind when finding the right solution. When you're dealing with different profiles, how do you do that? I mean, cause sometimes you might have to go really high level, really low level. What's your strategy?
1: Uh, well, uh, to be honest, uh, I wanted to have uh, Adam's perspective because uh, many companies. Well, we have many Alice's. We have, we have many people interested. in, You know, let's get this Kubernetes up and running. We just need it. We have so we have you know our configuration ready. So Alice's perspective is is kind of very common to 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 see in many companies, and uh, there are tons of publications. You know. Tons of uh, tons of proofs that you know Kubernetes is the way to go. Um, I, uh, I noticed that uh, operations uh, guys like operations teams like Bob uh, are it depends. There are some companies who has you know this progressive uh, these progressive teams who are willing to, to experiment with, with Kubernetes. Um, however, uh, sometimes those guys are just afraid of of, of of Kubernetes, but there's a reason and there's a valid reason, and uh, I believe that uh, they, uh, they sometimes they are scared to admit it. But Kubernetes brings so many so, so much automation uh, that it uh, they can they can afraid that they might some lose, lose a job. their job. Yeah. exactly. So this is kind of very interesting. and whenever I, I, I speak with, with, with some organizations, I try to be very careful. I try to convince those Bobs that uh, you know uh, this is an opportunity for you because you know time has changed. Uh, well, uh, our environment has changed, you know the, the whole ecosystem has changed. and uh, you need to be aware that this is something that you need to work, you will be working in the coming years. You need to prepare to maybe not like it, but at least to use it. So this is Bob's perspective. This is something very interesting. On the other hand, I see, I see, I saw it many times that you know, you talk with development teams, you talk with even with with operations teams. They agree that you know everything is fine. you, you know we already prepared something, but one day comes this Adam. And says, you know what? This is insecure. This is insecure. We cannot go with uh, with that project any longer. And that's why you need to be aware that uh, someday, maybe, uh, maybe you are not aware that in your organization there, there is this secretive, a uh, very secret maybe team who will t- who will ask hard questions, and you need to be prepared for them. And uh, that's why I wanted to have also Adam's perspective. And uh, this is my kind of uh, tip for, 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 for any of you, just uh, make sure that when, when you're starting or implementing your, your Kubernetes environment, building your platform, to ask someone from security team, just find, find, find the security team and, and, and ask him, you know, whether this, this would be compliant with, with the regulations with company's standards.
0: And, that, and that's a frequent comment that, I, that I've mentioned multiple times, like from on a cultural level is that very often uh, security seems like the last thing that people want to be implementing when it really, and, and we've had this conversation, we had it with, uh, once again, repeating Jim Bogwadia from, from Caverno that like, uh, you know, is this a is security be a day two conversation, a day one or a day zero? Um, you know, like when, you know, how do we keep that involved? And it's not to, you know, to feel like you're being watched by the police, that you're cutting anybody's wings, but it's because it, you know, what they say is with great freedom comes great responsibility. And that, that you, that you want to make sure that your environment's safe from the very beginning, because of what they say is that it only takes 10 minutes from after a container is created for it to start being attacked. Yeah. Um, these are things that, okay, it's also a great way to sell security products if you tell people that. But I think, I think, I think a lot of it's a cultural thing and a mentality thing.
1: Yeah, and uh, I want to add uh, one more thing because uh, this Acme, uh, this is a company, this is medium-sized company, but when, for example, if you have startup, you don't have such problems. Uh, You you just use cloud and uh, at first, maybe you don't care even so much about security, but for medium enterprise, for medium companies or for those companies, who don't want to use cloud because of security constraint, because of, yes. of security requirements. Uh, this is a topic that w- will come up eventually. So and the, and, the, you, you and, and earlier
0: this week with the conversation we had with uh, Ben Rogojan was that, you know we're talking about data management and a lot of companies a lot of times, you know, something's in one place, something's in another place. And so the idea for a company is like, look, we don't even have control of our own resources. We're gonna move all of this into an environment that we're not familiar with. It's very scary. And you know, people are resistant to change in general. I think a lot of this is about change management and very often that it's not just, you know, the monolith, uh, the technological monolith, but I think it's the mindset monolith that people don't wanna break out of.
1: Um, so I, yeah, 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 sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just one more thing. I always say uh, when I uh, when I when I speak with security uh, teams, uh, if I can, Mm. sometimes they don't appear. You know, (laughs) they are so secret. (laughs) Uh, So uh, whenever I have a chance to to talk with them, uh, I I tell them one thing: that uh, you know, guys, this is a great opportunity to move your security requirements from those you know lengthy documents, whether doc documents, PDF documents, or even paper documents, with your security requirements to actually implement them or to keep them in code, in, in repository. So they wouldn't have to be you no know, implemented by someone, they would be applied automatically because they will stay in the in, in repository. If you use, for example, this is something that I really recommend. If you use uh, this GitOps approach, mm. every change will, will go through uh, Git. Everything will, will 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 be transparent. So yeah. I think that, that that's something that they should be uh, looking forward to. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah,
0: like you said, from a from a transparency documentation paper trail falling. If somebody leaves the company, does all of this leave with them? I saw somebody earlier today tweeting about how um, Slack is not documentation. <laughs> like that doesn't count. Like we yeah, need to be. Yeah, um, So so anyway, tons of, tons of great insights there. Unfortunately, we don't have, we don't have much more time. Yeah. But what I what I do want to say is that this conversation we're going to continue in Slack. Um, and I, I, I don't want to challenge you to think of another story in the following months, but this is definitely a model that I think is a great way to illustrate this, as well as you know, the end user discussions of thinking about the different stakeholders that are involved in making these decisions, in onboarding these technologies, and the challenges that they're gonna be facing Some features might be attractive based on this use case, on this business case, you know, trying to match up different, you know, departmental goals. Like I always say, there's, it's not just this plug and play technological factor. There are so many other things to keep in mind. And I think that that's very important. And so, you know, another thing that I heard actually from one of the founders of of Rancher was talking about how, you know, with technologies changing over time, is that as, you know, what is it? Uh, Strong beliefs, but loosely held. Um, knowing that how I do things today in two, three, four, certainly five years will certainly probably be different. Um, So to maintain that sort of open mind. And I think the way you were able to compare and contrast these four different options and showing that there's not one single source of truth, that there are different ways of looking at things and that it really depends on your sort of circumstances. That being said, since we're getting to the end, Gorka, can you share my screen? Um, It was a big challenge. I would say that today has been one of the most challenging uh, experiences that Angel has had um to get the uh the artwork um there we go so we can take a look let's oh see my God. let's okay. see let's see let's see how he did um because just when we were getting to the end and you're like and now there's rancher and i was like how oh, you still have to add rancher. so, we got to
1: so many topics i'm yeah, sorry for that guys i'm sorry no 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 no, 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 no.
0: It was a good challenge it was a very good challenge but the storytelling was so nice to be able to see like i said the different perspectives so anyway i think it's a very useful guide um for our for audience and also for folks in, in social media to keep track of that. Um, anyway, Thomas, thank you so much for your uh, the wonderful sure. talk and the style that you decided to use. Um, just for everybody out there, we've got two meetups next week. We've got Alex Jones on Tuesday and we have Sebastian Paul from uh, the, one of the co-founders of Docker, who's also now has got a new startup called Ops Trace. I'm looking forward to talking to him on Thursday. We'll have Alex Jones talking to us about the different pillars um, that are involved in, in uh in observability very very experienced sre working at jp morgan so we got new stuff coming up next week tomas we definitely have to have you back uh thank you so much for the wonderful presentation all right take care thank you bye bye cheers
1: bye